Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer's right over there. You see the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is putting up billboards in Indy. There's one on 465 that says, it's got this woman. It could be a tad hyperbolic. I'm not sure. You decide. It's this billboard that Newsom put up. He's got them all over the country. But one in Indy, this woman's in shackles. And it reads, Indiana doesn't own your body. You do. So, so I, I'm just wondering, okay. Amber, what's 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 really at play here? I mean, this website is vowing. It's basically it's a pro-choice billboard. You know, of course, the Indiana law, which you know, it's injunctions now and lawsuits, but the, you know, they basically banned abortions in Indiana after Roe v. Wade was overturned, and so Newsom is putting up billboards not only in Indy but I believe in Florida, all over the country right now. And I think the bigger picture here is that. He's he's angling for a presidential run in 2024 and and, and um, elevating his profile, so to speak. There's that, but there's also a couple different things in play here too. Number one, people are leaving his state in droves, so he's doing whatever That's he can to try to get people to come back to California, whether it's the crime, whether it's the homelessness, whatever the case may be, the cost of living, high taxes, high taxes, forest fires because of mismanagement of the uh, the federal forests. Um, you can't get your citizens, in some cases, power, brownouts, blackouts. Uh, you can't, you know, a water shortage. And this guy wants to run for president. Right. <laughs> it's got some, he's got some gonads on him, to be sure. People are leaving yeah. his state in droves. And lastly, if you're somebody in Central Indy, and you see this billboard, and again, it's up there at uh, 465 near exit 11, and if you're somebody that sees that and says, you know what, I've got some thinking to do. Maybe I do want to go out to Cal- Please go. For the love of God, please go. Because if it takes a billboard to make you waver on whether or not the state of California is ran better than any other state in this country, do everyone a favor, pack up a U-Haul, take it to California. They need the U-Hauls because everybody left <laughs> and don't come back. If you're going to vote along the lines of Gavin Newsom, do everyone a favor, pack it up, go out to Cali, put grandma on top like the Beverly Hillbillies, make the drive and don't ever come back <laughs> and they couldn't protect their citizens during the riots in nope. 2020 they let it go on they let a you know they let them ransack rodeo drive it was all under gavin newsom's watch uh and i've got friends it, you hit the nail on the head in terms of cost of living i've got some good friends out there i honestly they, uh, the last time i was at, first of all it's beautiful i love southern southern california i'm not gonna lie to you a lot of people go out there and they pay what's called the sunshine tax they understand that there's high taxes and there's beautiful parts and there's beaches and it's 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 beautiful but i i just couldn't like i, I would say probably a hundred fifty thousand dollar to two hundred thousand dollar house in indianapolis would cost you half a million six hundred thousand dollars at least out there in california and the traffic is worse. And believe it or not, just when you think the state of Indiana has some morons involved in local government, 
Where do you get a load of California? Where do you get a load of the prosecutor and everybody else? So again, if you want to see that billboard that's up on 465, that's paid for by Gavin Newsom, and that sways you to move to California, let me know. I will come over. I might even help you pack, and I'll wave to you as you finally get out of the state of Indiana. Could you imagine looking at that billboard and seeing, you know, I didn't even think about it, but uh, Roe v. Wade... I'm moving to California. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't think about that. I'm packing up tonight and moving. I, I, I don't think that's the way that works. I double dog dare you to go if you're thinking about it. There, the gauntlet's been laid out. Do everyone a favor and take your liberal votes out of Indianapolis and take it to Gavin Newsom's uh, sunshine and his taxes and his crime and his poverty and his feces and his needles and... <laughs> And have yourself the time of your life. And is, again, the bigger picture is that he's running for president in 2024. 100%. Uh, even if Biden runs, I think he's running. Mondo, we have got a major storm a brewing, which means we need the official hurricane mood music. Hurricane Ian expected to strengthen into a Cat 4. At some point today, a Category 4 storm has winds sustained of 140 miles per hour. Hurricane warning has been issued for a place that you and I both go quite a bit, Nige. Uh, the Tampa Bay and the coastal areas uh, of the Gulf side of Florida, uh, they're saying it could be life-threatening storm surge along the beach areas, western coast of Florida, this is Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. Mother Nature is a very fearsome adversary. So please heed those warnings. You do not need to evacuate to another state. You don't need to go hundreds of miles away. There's shelters that are open in all of these counties at this point. Uh, the important part of if you're under an evacuation order is evacuate to, to higher ground uh, that is going to be safe from the type of surge and flooding uh, that, that, we're, that we're fearing with this storm. Uh, but, but by and large, uh, we're looking at really, really major storm surge up and down the west coast of Florida. Yeah, we, I mean, we've got a trip there next week, next Wednesday. It's oh. a fall break um, uh, in Manatee County, and that's oh. you know, one of the ones that's low-lying. That's a low-lying island. Uh, so, I mean, we are, first of all, my main concern is the people that live there we have relatives down there they packed up and went to atlanta i know another uh, guy we might talk to tomorrow who has decided to, to, to him and his family are going to ride it out uh so that's my main concern and i hope everybody's going to be okay it's my my vacation plans are not <laughs> by any way in any way shape or form the most important thing i'm just relaying to you what's going on i like so we've got uh an airbnb in manatee county uh next you know starting next wednesday which it, it's a over a week away i know but we're right. already starting to i mean look if it's anything like that last one that hit down there a few years ago it, things will be out of commission for a couple of weeks uh let's see the last i heard called the company um and i'm talking about the airbnb the the people that we're going with i called the company they said they plan to go out friday when the storm should be over check out on all the homes that manage to assess the damage and that we should give them a call if we don't hear from by next week so i i i'm cautiously optimistic but not i don't i don't know what it's going to look like in a week 
they've opened up all of the toll roads in Florida really? uh, so you can get to wherever you need to go as quickly as possible. I know you said you had some friends and family that went to Georgia. Yeah. What we're hearing from Florida, and you heard it from Ron DeSantis there, you don't have to drive to another state. Just go inland. You can go inland in Florida, ride this thing out, and then come back in a couple days. Uh, but all of the airports, the major ones, will be closed by tomorrow. Tampa International closes at 5 o'clock today, uh, closed at 5 o'clock today. And then Orlando, which is substantially more inland, it's going to close at some point tomorrow. Wow. Uh, so we do have a Hoosier connection here, though. Indiana Task Force One, uh, they have been activated. They're on their way to Florida. This is a team that consists of 45 people uh, with six support members. They specialize in search and rescue operations they went down to kentucky in late july for that deadly flooding that they had in kentucky and now task force one on its way to florida and of course you knew there were going to be some politicians who were not going to let a crisis go to waste this is minnesota senator amy klobuchar she says that the Democrats have to win midterms and you should vote for midterms because the Democrats will get rid of these pesky hurricanes. That's why we've got to win this midterm. We just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we've got to win this as that hurricane bears down on Florida. we got to win in the midterms. I love how they're positioning that climate change bill is no longer the Inflation Reduction Act because that didn't do anything. So now they have to call it the climate change bill. And uh, the last time I checked, I, I believe there's probably been some Democrats in office when hurricanes have hit this country. Right. Is she trying to suggest that hey, you vote Democrat, we're going to end all hurricanes? We're better for the environment, so we'll take care of the hurricanes. I, I put that right up there with Joe Biden saying... Look, you vote for me. I'm curing cancer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and two important things to note here. You know me. I'm a weather nerd. I love this type of news cycle where we're talking about weather and hurricanes and stuff. This has been an incredibly light hurricane year. This is an incredibly mm -hmm. slow hurricane year. And number two, earlier this year, a report from... The United States government said that clean air actually makes hurricanes worse. Jesse Waters talked about it. The message is always clear. This will happen again unless we immediately shut down our coal plants, stop drilling, and start eating those impossible burgers. According to a new study from the government, cleaner air creates more hurricanes. <laughs> Quote, a 50% decrease in pollution particles and droplets in Europe and in the U.S. is linked to a 33% increase in Atlantic storm formation in the past couple of decades. You heard that right. We're getting more hurricanes because the air is getting cleaner. So the next time a tropical storm is heading your way, I suggest, you know, do a little light polluting just to soften the blow. Science. That's the party of science. Amy Klobuchar and the Democrats. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. This is so gross. I'm not going to puke, though. Those of you that are waiting for it, I'm not going to puke. I'm going to keep it together on this one. This is a legitimate news story. It's in the New York Post. I'm going to move this trash can anyway. <laughs> I just want to scoot it a little closer here. 
Uh, headline, a woman spent three days in the hospital after her dog pooped in her mouth. Oh, come on. <laughs> really? And Kyle, is this song necessary? <laughs> what is this? You dropped the bomb on me by the Gap Band? <laughs> You so guys this, got a lot of growing up to do around here. Uh, this this happened in the in the UK. This chick's name is Amanda. She's 51 years old. She was she laid down for a nap, and her chihuahua like had a bout of explosive diarrhea and gotten it, it, it like couldn't control itself and got in her mouth while she was asleep. Oh, that is so and disgusting! It made, and it made her violently ill. Well, for sure, hours. sure. Uh, got dehydrated, stomach cramps. It turns out the dog had a stomach bug which you know if you have a stomach bug it's you're easily uh infectious as it is right i mean yeah that's easily you're very contagious i don't know about a dog being contagious to its owner but if the dog if said dog defecates in the owner's mouth you probably have a good chance of catching whatever the dog has right, right? like i don't claim to be a rocket scientist here but whether it's a dog whether it's a human whatever it is somebody goes number two in your mouth i'm willing to bet there's going to be health issues everybody's okay all is forgiven of course people love their dogs dogs can do no wrong uh i wouldn't i just wouldn't let the dog maybe i i make the dog sleep in a doggy bed off the side of my mattress or right something. you know what i would because the dogs it. and cats do this too they jump on bed with you and they crawl on you yeah. they want to lay on you and that's probably what this dog wanted to do with its owner you know get on top of her owner but the dog had a little stomach bug and next thing you know bada bam bada boom it's right in her mouth and the oh God, the, the picture <laughs> the picture that comes along with this you've got a picture you didn't show me the picture. Uh, you got to post the picture. Come on, man. Come on, Biden. Uh, Put it on Twitter. Come on. Let me see if I, I, I have it in the email here. Oh, yeah. You've got to post that. I think I speak on behalf of the uh, Hammer and Nigel audience here. Yeah. That's awful. That's disgusting. That's hideous. And we absolutely need to see it. Uh, okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> I, it's... It's no. Uh oh, uh oh. No, this this can't be happening. Let me know when you have let it. Let me. Up. I'll, I'll 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 let you know when I have it up. But look, look, you know, it's it's funny. It happens with dogs and humans. It happened at a strip club I'm familiar with on the uh, on one of those seedy strip clubs, uh, sort of west side of town. You ever hear? I think I may have told this story. I got to be careful. There's when my wife was working from a, a beer distributor company. One of her accounts was one of these, you know, these seedy strip clubs. She right. loved the owners, actually. She said the owners were awesome, one of her favorite clients. But And she'd go there during the day, so nobody'd be working. And this wasn't like go. one of the major ones where you're going no, no, to no, see no. pro athletes at. This is another type of one, right? Uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> she said the stripper, the story from management was that the stripper last night had a very bad case of uh, intestinal problems, diarrhea. And okay. She was, you know, she was like a trooper. She's got to go make that dollar. She went to and work. She went to work, and you know, she's doing the twerking thing. She bent over in front of a uh oh, bent over in front of a customer. No, accidentally. No. I mean, just uncontrolled. Got it. Got it on his face. Oh, <laughs> stop it! And that, as Joe Biden would say, is not a joke. That's a true story. It's <laughs> a true story. And quite frankly, I think some people would pay for that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. 
Again, this is the same station that Mike Pence used to come on and give you the news of the day, sharp, witty commentary. Fast forward a few years later, Nigel just told the story of the uh, stripper that was twerking that had a stomach bug, and, uh, well, I think you know the rest. Wow. The guy on Pervert Row got a little more than he paid for. Wow. I just posted the uh, story at Hammer and Nigel. On Twitter? Yeah. Okay. On Twitter. I mean, it's look. just go to Twitter right now and look at the front. Look at the top story. Let me refresh my... Oh, God! <laughs> oh, Look at her chin. Oh, no. It's like she, the the excrement is still on her face. She did, She took the time to take a selfie before she washed, washed herself off. Like, wouldn't you wash that off before yeah, you took I, the I, selfie? I would not have time to take a, a social, put it on social media. I no. would immediately get in the shower like Ace Ventura. <laughs> Oh, God. They don't make water hot enough. Yeah, you have to wash that off. Like, the selfie is the last thing that I want to do at this point. Wow, that's uh, that's a story. Let's, um, let's, let's stay on topic here. We've got another subject here real quick that kind of has to do with what we're talking about a little bit. It's a little more family-friendly, a little more cleaner. We all know that we're not supposed to flush the wet wipes down the toilet, right? Right, bad for the plumbing. Even, even if it says flushable... I've still heard that you're not supposed to flush them. Okay. Uh, there are lots of other things that aren't good for our plumbing, the pipes. And here are four random things that you should not flush down the toilet. By the way, I, I, I do utilize baby wipes from time to time, flushable wipes. Uh, very refreshing. Keeps me clean. And uh, I dispose them in the men's trash, and my wife is grossed out by that. She's like, no, flush them. That's gross. Why don't what you, you just use toilet paper and flush it? Instead well, of putting like, your poop-filled wipes in a trash can, <laughs> what's wrong with you? So here's some other uh, <laughs> random things you shouldn't flush down the toilet. Uh, food. Okay. Um, I shouldn't flush the turkey. Got it. Thanks. Um, uneaten food could be too big for the pipes. Hair. Can't flush hair down the toilet. Chewed gum doesn't break down. Right. And then medicine. Um, you're not supposed to because it could mix in with whatever and it's easier to just get rid of medicine like you know whether disposal location or a, a pharmacy or a hospital i think the only way that we can put a capper on this amazing segment please is with great moments in toilet history <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the world famous lethal weapon scene guys like you don't die on toilets one two and who could forget the toilet scene in Meet the Parents? Did you flush this toilet? What does it matter? The matter, Greg, Greg Oren, is that when this toilet is flushed, it runs. And when you have a septic tank that's nearly full and a toilet that's been running all night, then you could have a hell of a problem. Dad, what's going on? Oh, my God. What's that smell? Fokker flushed the toilet in the den, so the septic tank is overflowing. Jack, I told you, it wasn't me. It was Jinx. Fokker, I'm not going to tell you again. Jinx cannot flush the toilet. He's a cat, for Christ's sake. animal doesn't even have thumbs, Fokker. <laughs> and lastly, we keep it local. Oh. Our news gathering partners at Wish TV, Phil Sanchez oh, no. and Marcus Bailey, had a story about a toilet. Lightning hit the methane gas oh. that was built up in the septic tank, causing 
a bomb-like effect. <laughs> or says she's just grateful no one was on the toilet at the time. <laughs> I knew Marcus was really going to like this story. Toilet humor. Toilet humor, right. <laughs> toilet. Oh. <laughs> Exploding. I mean, look, well hey, done, not funny. That's serious stuff, right? Yes, That's of serious course. Stuff. Yeah, but, no one was injured, though. But so you're still crying thing. from laughing. <laughs> Bomb-like okay. effect, Marcus. Bomb-like. <laughs> Great moments in toilet history. You know, well, my favorite part about this show is that we could go from segments like that to our upcoming segment with uh, world editor for Breitbart, Francis Martel. Uh, some new developments in Russia, Ukraine. You're not going to want to miss this. Plus, what is the deal with this, this sort of uprising, these protests in Iran, mostly from courageous female protesters, We'll get the lowdown coming up. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Talk to me. Hey, hey, what, what, what are you doing? Hammer and Nigel on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Francis Martell, Breitbart's world editor. Francis, it's uh, been a minute. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be back. Thanks for inviting me. I definitely want to get to the, I mean, it's a tragic story behind these massive protests in Iran, which mostly led by women. So definitely want to get to that here in a second. It's 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 quite a story, but I do want to start in Ukraine. It seems like the only time we even ever mention what's going on in that region on this show anymore is when the United States sends another check uh, another multi-billion dollar check, which is quite frequently. But but now Russia is, is having these referendums to an annex captured chunks of eastern Ukraine. We have talks of Russia using tactical nukes. It just seems like it's been a disaster for the Russians, but the prospect of a cornered Putin is also pretty scary, especially with all the, the nuke rhetoric. And I'm wondering how you see it and what's going on over there. Sure. Um, so I would start by saying, you know, this war is eight years old. People, a lot of people only started paying attention in February. But the, the referendum strategy, Putin did that in Crimea, which is supposed to be part of Ukraine. And in 2014, uh, he faked a referendum where the majority of residents wanted to be part of Russia. And Crimea has been under Russian rule for those eight years. And people didn't really care. And now you're going to have a repeat of this because it worked, because it was successful. Um, President Obama did nothing to stop that. Um, and, you know, they don't want to have that conversation. This could have been a much less severe geopolitical problem if Obama and Vice President Biden had acted. Um, but now they want to talk about it as if it's this new uh, and, and horrible danger. Um, you know, I think the most interesting thing about this situation right now is not what's going on on the ground in Ukraine, because the war itself has kind of stagnated, but what's going on in Russia? Um, so last week, Putin announced that he was going to start this conscription where he was going to call up people who had experience in the military, reservists, um, and he was going to increase the number of troops in Ukraine. The Russian people panicked. Um, there's yeah. hundreds of thousands of people that are fleeing. And now there's a migrant crisis where countries like Kazakhstan and Mongolia have to deal with thousands of Russians trying to barrel in. Um, and obviously, Kazakhstan is not a country used to giant migrant influxes, right? Um, so I think that's just incredible, the destabilization of that and the vote of no confidence from the Russian people. 
to Putin, where he announces, you know, we're in this great patriotic war, and now I need men to step up. By the way, trust me, it's not all of you. It's just the veterans. And, you know, like the entire young male population of Russia is desperately fleeing because they want nothing to do with this, and they don't believe in this war. So I think that's just absolutely fascinating, and um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how is how is this war going to shape out when Putin runs out of troops? Francis, Jason Hammer here, and I admit I'm probably more cynical than most when it comes to our media here in the United States, the national media. But when I scroll through my timeline the last week, week and a half, you get the impression that Ukraine is on the verge of taking control of this thing, and it feels like we're only getting a fraction of the story. Take me through what's really happening here. Of course. Um, so in terms of expectations, Ukraine is absolutely winning because, uh, you know, we all thought that in February Zelensky was going to flee the country in two days and the whole thing was going to fall and there was going to be a puppet Russian dictator in Ukraine. And not only did that not happen, the Russians haven't been able to advance anywhere. Um, so it really does look good given the size of the, the Ukrainian military versus what they're up against. They're not doing a bad job. Um, the issue here is it looks good for the Ukrainians if you ignore the other eight years of war, yes. where, again, the Russians annexed Crimea, and they've been heavily investing in the Donbass region, which is the eastern part of Ukraine next to Russia. So um, let's assume that they kick the Russians out of the greater Kiev area, they kick them out of Mariupol, Kharkiv, the southern, all the places that Russia invaded in February, right? That still returns you to the status quo of 2014, where the entirety of Crimea, which is super important for commerce and geopolitically, that's all still Russian. And then, you know, what does Ukraine have left? What fight do they have left to start taking back the parts of that are under Russian control for eight years? Because the people in Crimea, they have Russian IDs. They have Russian driver's licenses, passports, you know, license plates on their cars. That I, I just don't see how Ukraine is in any short term in a position to actually kick Russia out of the entirety of its territory. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think people need to be just people. I think people are surprised or only kind of pay attention to this here and there that that wait a minute. You're, you're saying this has been going on since 2014. Now, the only difference yeah. is this this rhetoric of tactical nukes and a cornered putin and and what's he going to do what was going to be our response if uh, if some sort of nuclear device is used is that something that's on your radar um, you know, it is because I don't want to say never say never, um, and humanity is fickle. And I, you know, I was the first one to say before February, this war has been going on for eight years. Yes. You know, Putin's not going to invade Kiev. That makes no sense. And then he went ahead and did it. So <laughs> I'll be the first one to, to eat crow on that. But whenever I hear the nuclear conversation, I think about the fact that Pakistan and India have nukes. Pakistan and India hate each other. The former prime minister of Pakistan that was ousted in April is a pro-Osama bin Laden Islamist who openly talks about jihad um, and, and supports it. And that guy that guy had nukes for years yeah. and nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like it's extremely, extremely unlikely. Um, you know, the, the devastation, I think something more likely would be, for example, the Russians bombing a nuclear power plant and causing, you know, a horrible um, chemical 
chemical disaster or nuclear disaster that way, um, then them actually dropping a nuclear weapon, that would be highly unlikely. But again, I, I want to never say never on this one. Just that's really not the, the top worry I have right now with this situation. Frances Martel is with us. She's the world editor at Breitbart. I do want to get into what's happening in Iran because I think that's very important. But one more thing, last thing here on Russia, Ukraine. Have we heard anything? Your, you know, sources, whatever, on the health of Vladimir Putin, because that was a big story a couple of months ago. There were photos of him like holding on to a table and he wasn't moving around really good. And uh, any updates on the health of the Russian leader? As far as we know, nothing has changed. Um, he seems totally fine. There's really no evidence of anything big there. And it, it, the, the rumors reminded me a lot of how Kim Jong-un dies every four or five years. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's that sort of thing. And, you know, we know the Ukrainians are putting on a, a huge propaganda campaign, so I wouldn't be surprised if they are trying to destabilize Russia from the inside by throwing that out there. Francis, this story out of Iran, I think it's it's been getting more and more attention here in the United States. But these these protests, these Iranian women that are, I guess, you know, you could say courageously leading protests. Um, what's behind this and, and and how did this all get started and, and, and moving forward? What does what does this look like? Um, sure. So this all uh, this erupted out of the death of a 22-year-old woman named Masa Amini, who was beaten to death because her hijab was on wrong. Um, she was not protesting the hijab, the headscarf. She was wearing one, but a little bit of her hair was visible, and the Iranian morality pe- police beat her to death. She was in a coma for a little while, and she died. Um, really horrible story. Um, and, you know, sporadic protests have happened in Iran for years years on and off, and the pattern is usually big, peaceful protests, unarmed people, followed by Iranian police killing a bunch of people, followed by silence. <laughs> and then a few years, we get the protests again. Um, the big difference now is, number one, these are women-led protests, because the women in Iran do not support hijab. Um, hijab is not even, it's not in the Quran. Um, the Quran says that you should be modest in how you dress. It doesn't say anything specific about covering your hair or your face. Um, And so they don't support that. It's not really a Persian tradition. Um, And the other thing here is that we're seeing violence from the protesters towards the repressors. We're seeing reports of repressive security forces being killed in protests. And that is new. Um, Usually we see just, you know, the unfortunate massacre of protesters with no one really fighting back. We don't see police cars overturned and, you know, fear out of the Iranian security apparatus. So that's kind of the new thing here. And what's been the response from other nations? I mean, like, you know, you, you check Ilhan Omar's Twitter feed, uh, the, you know, Talib, uh, members of the squad. I, I, I like. I feel like the term oppression is thrown around a little too loosely in the United States of America when you have something like what happened in Iran where a woman beaten to death for showing a little bit too much of her hair. Uh, has there been a world outcry? And, and I'm wondering, you know, where the feminists are here in the United States? You know, I've seen 
some feminists on the left here try to equate this somehow to the Dobbs ruling. To, yeah, abortion. You know, yeah, I did see AOC do that. Yeah, she tried to. Yeah, t- yeah, which uh, is completely, geez. you know, kill, the, the quote unquote right to kill a baby female in the womb is somehow, you know, just as sacred as not being beaten to death for like showing your hair. Um, it's <laughs> completely absurd. Um, but there is, I think. The left, and, and it's important to note, Iran is Islamist, but geopolitically it is a leftist state. And by that I mean all of its friends are leftists. All of its friends are Cuba, Venezuela, China, all the communist countries. So it, that's its neighborhood, ideologically. Um, the left understands that this is not a winning you know, issue for them. Like You can't defend beating a young girl to death over this. Um, no. So they're either being silent or they're trying to co-opt it in that way way like try to turn it into um you know some equivalent of something that they want in their localized politics like abortion um so that seems to be the way they're handling it right now and i think and to to, to wrap this up here I, I think people would be shocked to to learn that iran didn't used to be this way i mean they were a cosmopolitan sort of semi-hip place at one point in the in the 60s and 70s right absolutely and you know throughout history a lot of the middle east it's it always blows my mind when you read about like medieval Europe versus the, the medieval Middle East. And it was places like Damascus that were really like the cool progressive places with all the colleges and all the, you know, all, all of the more advanced stuff. Um, so they don't, that's why the protests are so big, especially against the hijab, because they don't see it as an innate part of their identity at all. You know, in, within the lifetimes of a lot of people that are still alive, Iran was not this. It was not this radical Islamist kind of place. And so they see it as reclaiming their culture to fight against this. Uh, Francis, what are you working on at Breitbart and where can people find uh, more of it? Um, well, if you go to Breitbart, you go to the world page and you'll see uh, all my work under the, the international pages. Um, you can come to Twitter at uh, Francis Martel and I'll be there. Um, and my latest story is on uh, the Chinese government putting together its own uh, Top Gun knockoff movie that is about to debut on Saturday. <laughs> all right. I, I definitely want to have you back on to talk about that for sure. Uh, let's try to get you on next week again, Francis. We really love having you on. Have a a great week. I would love that. Thank you so much. I had a great time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Just real quick, somebody, some audio of uh, somebody passing by Stella's Fish Cafe in Uptown Minnesota. They filmed a rat crawling all over a tray of rice. Oh. And they saw it through the window. Here's how it went down along with one of the witnesses. I will never eat at Stella's again, y'all. Look at her. And we walked past Stella's, and, like, I seen something just right in my face, like, and it was moving. And it was like a rat. Like, it was a huge rat. It was a really thick, huge rat. Like, the rat was thicker than me. Like, it was big. Like, tearing the food down. Like, I'm talking about Buki was eating the food up. God, there wouldn't happen to be a a sudden outbreak of typhus in uptown Minnesota, would there? (laughs) Dude, I hate rats, and I hate mice and all that kind of stuff. Hate it. Gross, man. Remember, we had that story not that long ago of somebody that was delivering some stuff to the Popeye's location in Washington, D.C., and he dropped it off into the back, and, man, it looked like a rat playground back there. Oh, Oh, man. Okay. All right, coming up next, another group. 
not the ACLU, but another group is suing Indiana about abortion. We have the update on that. Plus, Indiana Task Force One, they're on their way to the Gulf Coast to help out. We'll talk a little bit about that and an update on the hurricane. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. You know, Indiana was the first state after the overturning of Roe v. Wade to actually call a special session and, and, and ban abortions uh, with exceptions of rape, incest, uh, danger to the life of the mother. Other states already had trigger laws um, in place, but we were the first state that actually voted on it. And ever since then, man, it's been lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. I know in the previous break you mentioned there's another group suing Indiana now. So well, let me guess, Planned Parenthood? No. ACLU? Well, they've already done it, and they yeah. got the injunction. Um, what about a major corporation based in Indy? Nope, a, nope. Uh, You're getting a little bit warmer, though. Okay. And warmer is the key word. The Satanic Temple <laughs> has filed a federal lawsuit Ooh. against Governor Eric Holcomb and Attorney General <laughs> Todd Rokita over Indiana's abortion ban. It's always a uh, like temperature of 105 in the Satanic Temple every time they go to worship. <laughs> Very hot. They don't need air conditioning there in the summer. No, in no. the Satanic Temple, do they? The hotter, the better. <laughs> They claim that the uh, <laughs> Indiana abortion ban violated the RIFRA Act, Religious Freedom Restoration they Act. They really turned that around on us, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> because it makes the exercise of satanic abortion ritual a crime, Lord, yeah. and that interferes with their religion. Wait a minute. The satanic temple has an exercise of satanic abortion rituals? Correct. <laughs> And they claim that, what? among other things, that the banning of abortion screws with the practice that they have of religion in the state of Indiana. So I had a chance to sit down and speak with their spokeswoman, and this really? is what she told me. I've got a secret. I worship the devil. That's the spokeswoman for the satanic temple. Uh, joking aside, I did have a chance to sit down with their legal counsel. Okay. Don't mess with the devil, buddy. We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devil. The devil. Okay, that may have been David Putty from Seinfeld, but you kind of get the gist. Oh, man. How about them turning Rifra around on its head? Right? That's a 180, isn't it? Hey, look, we, we have this ritual we do at church where it's, you know, it's all centered around abortion and it's, it's you know, this really, this new law puts a damper on that. So we're going to go ahead and sue. Somewhere, Mike Pence is sitting back <laughs> yeah. going, man, one minute, you know, I'm putting this Religious Freedom Act in. Next thing you know, I'm giving a green light to the Satanic Temple to do all kinds of rituals and it's backfiring on everybody. Life comes at you fast, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, we are keeping wow. our eye on what's happening down in the Gulf Coast. Uh, Category 3 hurricane right now. Hurricane Ian on its way to the Florida Gulf Coast. We're seeing the wind hold steady at about 120 miles per hour right now. They do anticipate that could go up to a Category 4 later on tonight, uh, which means wind sustained of around 140 miles per hour. It's a big one, isn't it? It could be. It could be. 
and uh, Indiana Task Force One, they have been activated. They are on their way down to the Gulf Coast. They're going to stage in Alabama, wait for the storm to roll through. And what Task Force One does, they specialize in rescue and recovery. So if their storm surge through the yeah, that's amazing. city, they can get out there and rescue people. That's unbelievable. Hoosiers running towards trouble, uh, running towards danger. That cannot be an easy and or a safe job at this point. And uh, so, so, you know, setting up shelters, rescuing people, that kind of thing, providing food, shelter. Is that, is that typically what's involved? Right. So if you remember, like the biggest example would be Katrina, where people were on top of their roofs yeah. because the flooding and the storm surge was so bad and the levee breached. Uh, people like Task Force One, they come by and help. I know in Louisiana, they have a thing called the Cajun Navy, where people in the neighborhood have gotten training to go around and rescue people if they've got boats and so forth so you love to see the american spirit coming together to help people here uh, but this could be a pretty big one the next 24 hours is going to give us a real idea of where this is going to make landfall you're going to a place where the eye could make landfall next week right nige uh well not yeah i'm going next week it should be in the area i mean tonight tomorrow night in terms of, but i'm not going until uh, next wednesday yeah low level uh, island low-lying island i mean if it if it's like a direct hit and it's bad it's going to cover a lot of ground there so uh yeah definitely keeping an eye on it i'm you know and, and by the you know screw my vacation plans that's not what i'm worried about i'm, I'm right you know obviously Number one is the safety of uh, – I have relatives down there that packed up and went to Atlanta. I also have friends down there that are deciding to stick it out in Tampa. And uh, that's that's what I'm worried about. You never know the tracks of these things. You never right. know if they can slow down, speed Next 24 up. hours is going to be crazy. I, I pray that it just, it just kind of dissipates and we're being overly cautious here, and that's about it. But um, who knows? I don't know. If you remember at the beginning of hurricane season – now, again, keep in mind, this has been a pretty tame hurricane season. There haven't been many. This is the first major one to hit the United States uh, this season. But Joe Biden, the president, acted like a commander-in-chief and talked about what we can do as Americans to prepare for coastal flooding and torrential rain and damaging winds with hurricane season. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Get vaccinated. <laughs> That's what you got to do, ladies and gentlemen. I, you led me down a road where I thought our president was actually going to make a thoughtful, coherent statement about the status and the well-being of our United States citizens, and you just I just totally crashed into a brick wall right there with him. Hold so, on. <laughs> set that up. You got to set that up again. So I, this was the beginning of hurricane uh, season, you know, when the storms are all named and they have a press conference. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, had <laughs> this bit of advice for those who are getting ready for hurricane season. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. So tomorrow night, uh, night, here's what I'm yeah. going to do. I'm going to fly down to Tampa. <laughs> 
I am going to stand on the beach yeah. with a 140 mile per hour wind <laughs> and five to six foot storm surge. And when the authorities come to try to rescue me, I'm going to say it's okay. <laughs> I've been vaccinated. Everybody back off. It's all right. I mean, wouldn't your first, I mean, in order of the list of things to do to prepare for a hurricane, I mean, sandbags, water, dry food, a poncho. Right. Board up the windows. I I think poncho would be above vaccine at this point. (laughs) In terms of things you need, a list of things you need to be prepared for a hurricane, Poncho comes before vaccine. A vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. If he would have said get some galoshes, then I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) That makes zero sense whatsoever. So tomorrow night, I want to tune into the Weather Channel about 11 o'clock, because that's when it should be, like, completely out of control down by St. Pete in Tampa. And I want to see Jim Cantori of the Weather Channel yelling at people, Hey! Hey! Have you been vaccinated? Oh, okay. Carry on. Keep on driving. If he would have said, get an umbrella. I would have said, okay, that that could make sense. Get vaccinated. That's how you prepare for the hurricanes. So two days from now, some poor bastard that's had his house completely destroyed, (laughs) windows blown out, there's a tree on top of his roof. I just got my fifth booster, though. (laughs) Wait a minute. What's going on here? I was told that everything was going to be fine because I had my fifth booster shot. Oh, God. That's our president. That's the guy. (laughs) Emma and Nigel presents. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You review said story, and then you give us the verdict on whether or not it's anything or not. Is this anything? Yesterday, NASA, they were able to send this space robot, this vending machine-sized <laughs> spacecraft, yeah. 7 million miles through space, and successfully collide with an asteroid that was the size of a football stadium to kind of knock it off course a little bit. Um, This was basically done to see if there was one coming toward Earth, if that would work, and it turns out that it did. Looks to me like we're headed straight in. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh, wow. We're getting visual confirmation. Oh, that's pretty cool. Crazy technology. I don't know if it worked. Did it do anything? They said that it knocked it off course, and had it been in a direct line with Earth, which it wasn't, but had it been, it would have knocked it off course. I mean, that's pretty cool. And uh, an asteroid, would you call it as big as a football field? Yes. I'm reading, this is on space.com, what an asteroid would do. If uh, it was as big as a football field, it hit somewhere like London. Uh, And I'm just reading here, quote, if an asteroid that size were to fall on the city of London, windows would break over the whole southeast of England, and the damage uh, in the greater London area would be very extreme. There would be no survivors in the center of London because of the impact itself and also because of the severity of the air blast. So it doesn't sound like something like that would be a global killer. 
like you know the dinosaurs and stuff right uh but uh it would do some major damage uh it, let's see if the asteroid fell into the ocean it would produce very large tsunami waves yeah but if it happened deep in the ocean the waves would dissipate and uh, before reaching a coast tsunamis are a trip have you ever seen what happens during a tsunami like all the waves roll back first and they go like the water line recedes so far back yeah. it's basically like you see all the fish and stuff flopping right around all before. the fish flopping around so if you're ever somewhere on a beach and you see that happen run yeah. because a freaking tsunami is on its way so, man so, but this wasn't anything like armageddon we were talking about this yesterday nobody sent what's his name what was bruce harry Willis's? stamper harry stamper didn't go up there with a giant ass drill and <laughs> put a nuclear bomb in the middle of it Correct. Right. This was, but but you're saying, okay, I didn't see where it actually kind of knocked it off course. Yes, seven yeah. million miles. I don't know, man. I, like everybody talks about alien and alien technology, and and I, I think it's, I think alien technology is already here. How the hell can they send a vending machine-sized spacecraft seven million miles and have it target this asteroid hurling towards Earth and knock it off course? I think some of that stuff, man, like we just, we, we can't ever comprehend or actually know the extent of the level of, of technology that's available to human beings at this point because they keep it secret. I mean, pass me the tinfoil hat. I, I, you know, you watch documentaries about the stealth bomber back in the 60s and 70s, and I'm obsessed with it because technology back then was like, Wait, they knew how to do that in 1972? Imagine <laughs> how far they've come in 40-plus years. Right. It's crazy. I think it's awesome. I mean, look at Elon Musk. Rockets taking off and then landing back on their on their pads in the middle of the ocean. Right. Landing it's amazing. Pads. It's unbelievable. And the fact that there are such smart people that know how to do this kind of stuff. It's amazing. Like, when I watch On Patrol Live, and I see some shirtless <laughs> hillbilly from Beach Grove getting arrested, and then I see what Elon Musk is yeah. doing, I'm like, how are we the same species here? How is this possible? When our president of the United States tell us, prepare for a hurricane by getting a vaccine <laughs> for COVID, and then you have, you know, the NASA astronauts and the uh, the, the technology that they're working on there behind the scenes, it's, it's night and day. If you missed it earlier, we played the audio of uh, President Joe Biden. This was earlier in the year before hurricane season got rolling, saying if you want to stay safe in a hurricane, you have to get vaccinated. <laughs> uh, producer TKW, Megamondo, the Kyle Wells, can I hear your awesome Joe Biden impression <laughs> of him talking about getting vaccinated during a hurricane? Hey, sir, Joe. The best thing you could do, the most vital thing you could do uh, to avoid a hurricane and to be safe from a hurricane is to get vaccinated. It's not a joke. So get vaccinated today and you'll be safe from a hurricane. Uh, I mean, he could have said rain, anyway. raincoat. He could have said, ra I mean, on the list of things to do to get prepared for a hurricane, raincoat, poncho, galoshes. <laughs> Dried canned food is they're, they're all above vaccine, right? Umbrella, <laughs> hundred and forty mile per hour winds are expected if this thing gets to a cat four. And Joe Biden says the number one priority is to make sure that you're vaccinated. <laughs> Dummy, is this anything? A barista is begging people to stop using hacks. 
and creative orders to save a couple of bucks on their drinks. Here he is explaining that when you go online and you find some sort of mystery drink or some sort of hack, it just wastes everybody's time and is a big pain in the butt for the people that are making minimum wage bringing you your beverages. My recipe, this drink is not supposed to be filled all the way up. Except when we see stickers like this, we know that customers are doing a hack and want the cup filled up. So we fill it up. Then we get talked to by management that's saying that that's not recipe and we're wasting product and we're not supposed to be using more than four ounces for drinks like that. Then the customer comes in and complains that their cup isn't filled up. And so then management tells us that we have to make the moment right. So then we fill the cup up. Stop with the hacks. Stop making minimum wage workers do circles for you. Just get a pumpkin spice latte. Uh, Okay. I don't really know what he's talking about. I love how they use the word hack like it's the movie War Games and Matthew Broderick's breaking into the Whopper. I know what he's talking about, though, because there's drink hacks online. And a hack is basically a way that you can get something for a discount if you order it a certain way. And these baristas are like, dude, you're a pain in the ass. Just get your drink. All right. I mean, just like you go up to the bartender at a crowded bar and order a mojito or some complicated drink that takes five minutes to make. Right. Uh, and I is, just want a Miller Lite. Yeah. You know, I'm behind this person. Yeah, but he didn't. He said that he ends up having to make it for him anyway if they complain. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I I feel sorry for you guys that have to put up with that crap. Oh, I got one for you. We we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Some baseball stuff going on. And again, you're a guy that did you play baseball in college? Not in college. Uh, no, uh, just in high, high school. school. Yeah. Uh, so every game now, there's fans selling out ballparks to see if and when Aaron Judge is going to tie Roger Maris for the 61st home run, you know, for 61 home runs in a season. So here's the drama last night in Toronto. He was up to bat uh, up to bat in the 10th inning in Toronto. And so they decided to intentionally walk him. <laughs> and so fans, even though it's in Toronto, fans want to see him break this record. And they started booing their own team in Toronto. And the worst part about it is Aaron Judge's mom was in the stands. Here's the call. And Judge is intentionally walked. <laughs> now, you can get mad at the amount of draw you want, but he's playing for something now. If Alex Cora did this, you have enough. A real reason to get angry, but he's trying to win this game to get into the playoffs. His mom kind of abused and frustrated. Just think what you back at home and how frustrated you're feeling that you don't get a chance to see Judge. And then think that's her son, and she's watching every single at bat, waiting for him to do something so special. So probably times it by a million by what you're feeling at home. Isn't that fun? Okay, I'll ask you, since you're the baseball guy, is this anything? And I think there's different layers here. I mean, it's they're playing in Toronto. They're on, the Yankees are on the road, and Toronto's own fans are booing their team and their own coach for walking Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome, man. I do. Now, the Blue Jays are playing for something. They're trying to get in the playoffs. Okay. It wasn't like, you know, they're the Cubs and they were eliminated months ago. The Blue Jays are trying to hold on to a wild card spot so this is a game they're trying to win so of course you're going to walk the best player in the league when you're trying to win the game but the your hometown fans are <laughs> booing you right that doesn't make it that those are just it's like me you know wishing harm upon the colts you know after they they were making that drive in the fourth quarter i still hope they lose <laughs> that's the equivalent 
That's what fans do, though, yeah, man. Yeah. And plus, Lord knows how many Yankee fans were in that joint, too, because Yankee uh, fans travel yeah. pretty well. Stephanie Mead, meteorologist from Wish TV 8. She will join us next. We'll talk a little bit about this big, bad hurricane making its way through the Gulf. We've got that and some Halloween stuff. That's coming up next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. Hello. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there with a very special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Stephanie Mead is a meteorologist with our news gathering partners at Wish TV 8. Stephanie, I'm a weather nerd. I, on one hand, am really excited to watch the coverage the next 24 to 36 hours like this is a big deal for me but at the same time i want to make sure everybody is doing the right thing and they're safe but is it okay to be excited to watch uh the spectacle of mother nature and what's brewing down in florida I think it's okay to be interested yeah yeah i think interested is the right word <laughs> Excited? Because uh, it's it's going to provide some, I think, not necessarily devastating, but it is going to um, impact a lot of folks down there. So it's been a very quiet hurricane season for us here. So it does kind of, you know, get us a little bit, um, I, I guess, interested in what's going on just because we haven't seen such an active hurricane season. But I can understand your excitement around it, for ha- sure. Have you ever had a chance to cover, like, one of those big storms like that where they put you outside in the elements and you're, like, hanging on to a palm tree and things oh, no, like that are happening? No. no, and I was actually talking to Marcus Bailey earlier this morning about it, too, and he would love to go down there and do it. I think I'm past that phase of life where I want to be thrown into yeah. weather phenomena. Like, I've already experienced flood. I think being sopping wet and being whipped around by wind is less than fun. I'll cover it from studio. Whoever wants to be out there covering this stuff can go ahead and do that. So, Stephanie, is the hurricane, is is, is Ian past Cuba? Yeah, so it's moving northward right now. So it's still at a Category 3 hurricane. Last updated around 35 minutes ago or so, so we got an update at 4. The winds are sustained at 120 miles per hour right now, and it's actually anticipated to strengthen even more overnight. So I wouldn't be surprised if we wake up tomorrow morning and we have breaking news that Ian is now a Category 4 hurricane. And it's going to continue to strengthen as it as it goes over those warmer Gulf waters and as it makes landfall, which it should either very early Thursday, uh, potentially is a Category 3 hurricane if it manages to keep its strength. Um, it's going to provide very high storm surge and very, very strong winds for those right along the western coast of Florida, so close to Tampa Bay. It looks like the, the track right now is moving a little bit further north. So it's still going to have huge impacts on Tampa Bay, but also just north of Tampa Bay as well. We're chatting with Stephanie Mead of Wish TV. So when we hear the phrase storm surge, for people who don't follow this kind of stuff as closely as you do and weather nerds like myself, what does that mean? What is storm surge? Uh, It's just the water that is being pushed up by the wind onto land. So usually it can be up to, and in some cases, reports down in Cuba, they're up to about 18 feet. So that's when water is is kind of thrusted onto land and there's 18 feet of water there. So I've... uh, 
there is going to be there's already storm surge warnings out for that area as of right now so it, the winds obviously play, play a big role in that and um, that's just something that we'll keep an eye on for and that's most likely why and of course why we have those evacuations going on along the western coast of florida because they're going to get hit pretty hard with that storm surge. yeah stephanie obviously our our concerns with the people down there making sure they're safe hopefully getting evacuated taking all the precautions mm-hmm. necessary i do like i saw which tv run uh, a segment today about a a family that has already canceled their vacation down yeah. in in Florida. I got one coming up next week uh, down in the like the Sarasota Bradenton area. Oh, that's not too far. It's a little south, right? It's Sarasota. south of Tampa. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So you know, it's hard to predict what these things are going to do and look like five days after the fact. Is there any way oh, you sure. can, you know? Uh, I mean. <sighs> I can't imagine it being in the best shape five yeah. days after, especially since it's so close to Tampa. And even though it's it might move a little further north, you're, they're still going to be dealing with a lot of cleanup because of storm sure. surge. They're still going to be seeing a ton of water. And most likely they'll be seeing a lot of wind damage as well. I'm sure there will be I'm, – I'm not really quite sure what the infrastructure is in Tampa or along the western coast. I know a lot of Florida residents and, and infrastructure kind of is prepared for hurricane season and hurricanes in general. Um, but I'm sure they're going to be dealing with cleanup, and it's not necessarily going to look the prettiest five days out. Does the does the bad weather, though, kind of trickle? Did this, does it stick around? after the hurricane is is kind of moved on or it depends um this looks like it's going to linger actually a little bit longer okay. so it's it's not going to move much once it makes in inland so it should only be up near jacksonville and, and it's a large enough storm where a lot of the state is still going to see repercussions from this whether it's tornadic activity or just heavy rain wow. strong winds yeah a lot of the time like a lot of people don't necessarily realize that you do get a lot of tornadic activity out of hurricanes well, th- just because of the spin and so by friday it's still going to be just north of tampa bay and pretty close to jacksonville so it's still not going to be out of the state through the end of the week so they're still going to see a large amount of rain and i think it's amazing that still you know they're gonna they're looking at at, at orlando even i think you mentioned hammer that that yeah. orlando their is, airport's is, closing tomorrow that's that's crazy they're not crazy. Yeah. It makes sense, but that's pretty. That's inland. That's away from any sort of beach or ocean. Yeah. Well, well away from that. Yep. So the, a, a good portion of, and they even have tropical storm watches on the eastern coast of Florida. So everyone is going to see some impact from this. Stephanie Mead with us from our news partners, Wish TV 8. So, Stephanie, let's go over the next 24 hours here. What are we looking for and what are some cities that could be uh, in real danger here? Uh, most everyone along that western coast there. So you have uh, Tampa Bay up near Pensacola could possibly see some repercussions of this as well, just because it is it's along that western side but also a little further north so it could be and it looks like it was in the cone of uncertainty and then areas inland obviously orlando and then up near portions of jacksonville where it eventually kind of fades away into a depression but you still see some heavier rain from that as well but mostly communities along that western coast of florida should really be on guard for a storm surge some heavy rain and also some wind damage most certainly out of the system through the end of the week are you working tomorrow morning when we wake up in the morning? Can we turn it on Wish TV 8 and uh, see the latest? 
Yeah, I'll be there. Marcus will be there, too. And even through the afternoon, Randy's going to be covering it. Ashley will be covering it. So we'll all pretty much be on top of it until it's out of Florida. Stephanie Mead, Wish TV 8. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Have a good day, guys. You got it. All right. I know it's technically not October yet. We're getting close. It's still September. But... I think the mood is right. I think the time is right. From the people who bring you legal stuff, from the people who bring you vaccine stuff, for the first time this year, it's time for Halloween stuff. Pumpkins. (laughs) Candy. (laughs) Costumes. Halloween stuff. Yeah, we got it all out of my house now, man. I know you and Crystal were a little ahead of me and my family, but it's... Yeah, I was in the attic last weekend. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love the it. Death trap. Our our the stairs leading up to my attic are it's it needs some work. They might as well be made not, out of ice. It really, it, <laughs> that's exactly the way it is. So, but it, we're in full force. Skeletons, pumpkins, spider webs, everything. According to the National Confectioners Association. A surprising number of Americans have already purchased Halloween candy. They said this could be a dangerous thing because if you buy it early, chances are you will eat it okay. well before it, Halloween. Whatever. It, buy it early, buy it late. You're, you're going to eat all your kids' candy as well. <laughs> I don't think that really matters. 18% of people in the survey said they usually buy it in September or earlier. Meanwhile, 65% say they'll buy it the first few weeks of October, and 12% wait until the very last minute. When is, uh, what day? Oh, what day of the week is Halloween this year? The 31st? Uh, it's a Monday. Man. Okay. All right. So. Eh, I, I prefer a weekend. Halloween weekends are usually pretty fun, but Monday is all right, too. A lot of neighborhoods, like, will say, hey, even though October 31st lands on a Monday, we're doing the neighborhood Halloween on a Sunday. Yeah, but that's not Halloween, and that's fake, and that's bogus. (laughs) If you want to go through the motion with a uh, participation award for Halloween, be my guest. The champions go out on the 31st. That's what I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. Caller number nine. Oh. Right now. What are you doing? 239-9393. We got more tickets to go see Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen at the Egyptian Room at the old National Center. So if you want to go celebrate all of the hits of Queen, you got to be caller number nine right now, 239-9393. We have a fun game we'll play, and we'll do that next. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Coming up a little bit after 5 o'clock, we will... uh, Check in with America's fight against COVID-19. Yeah, the CDC made an interesting announcement uh, recently. So all of that and the top stories of the day are coming up a little bit after 5 o'clock. Big Nige is here. I'm Jason Hammer. And we've got some tickets to give away. Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen, taking the stage October 11th at the Egyptian Room at the Old National Center. We've got Jeffrey standing by. Jeffrey, how are you? I'm doing fine, Hammer. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. We're going to play a little game here called Killer Queen or Jimmy Dean, and this is how it's going to work. (laughs) I'm going to give you a statement. It will either be song lyrics from Queen 
or something you would hear on the Jimmy Dean Sausage Complaint Hotline. <laughs> you get two out of three correct, and we're going to give you these tickets, okay? Yes, sir. All right, number one, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Killer Queen or Jimmy Dean? Uh, that would be Killer Queen. Killer Queen. All right, one down. Got to get one more, and we're going to give you these tickets. Number two. Three men that weigh over 200 pounds apiece, a woman that's a little plump, and a daughter who's 13, and you're going to try to take a 12-ounce roll of sausage and feed that? It ain't going to work. Jimmy Dean or Killer Queen? That's a tough one. I'm going to say that's probably Jimmy Dean. Yeah! Okay. That's what I'm talking about right there. Jeffrey, congratulations. Two tickets to Killer Queen, a tribute to Queen, taking the stage October 11th at the Egyptian Room at the Old National Center. Stay on the line, and uh, TK Dub will take care of you. I know we don't have a lot of time here. Can we play that voicemail tomorrow? Are we giving this? Are we giving away more of these tickets tomorrow? Yes. Okay, let's plan on playing that Jimmy Dean voice tomorrow. We could do it now. We've got a couple minutes. Well, he'd have to get in there and find it. I don't. I mean, do you think he can find it? Uh, I, I just, when he calls his wife plump, <laughs> and what he call he says she's a little plump. Right. <laughs> I'm assuming a little is of being very generous. For those who don't know the backstory, <laughs> a call was leaked a number of years ago of some dude who was just ticked off at the Jimmy Dean Company because they took yeah. away uh, the 16-ounce package of sausage and replaced it yep. with a 12-ounce. Do we have that call, Kyle? Your product's very delicious. <laughs> Love your sausage for 30-something years, but I can't take and feed a family of five on a little 12-ounce roll of sausage. I don't mind paying you more money for your 16-ounce roll of sausage, but you don't have it anymore. You've got a 12-ounce roll, and you've got three men that weigh over 200 pounds apiece <laughs> A woman that's a little plump and a daughter <laughs> who's 13, and you're going to try to take a 12-ounce roll of sausage and feed that, it ain't going to work. <laughs> and as far as your 16-ounce and maple and sage, I don't eat that. I'm not from the north. I'm a Texas <laughs> man, and I'm not going to buy two of those 12-ounce packages just because you want to downsize and charge the same goddamn price. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Somebody needs their ass kicked. Yeah! One of the greatest complaint calls of all time. The guy ticked off at Jimmy Dean Sausage. Uh, a woman that's a little plump and a daughter who's 13. I have a feeling the 13-year-old is no skinny marine uh, either. And you got three men that weigh over 200 pounds apiece, a woman that's a little plump, and a daughter who's 13. She needs that 16-ounce roll of sausage. And really, it's indicative of what's going on right now with shrinkflation. You know, he, the guy's complaining. He's the same complaint could be made now that you know they've they you're, you're getting charged twelve. You're getting charged the same price for a 12, 12 ounce roll of sausage. It would be a sixteen ounce roll previously, right? Thanks, Biden. And then they tell you to buy something you don't want. Yeah. Well, you've got maple and sage. No, I don't want that, and I don't want an electric car either. There's a lot of ways you could bring all of this complaint call oh, to great. what's happening currently. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Well, let's not waste any time, Hammer. Can we do it right away, Mondo? Let's do it. Let's check in with America's fighting. It's COVID-19! COVID-19! 
curious the cdc is pretty much saying yeah don't worry about masking anymore i'm I'm sorry what not only are they saying yeah don't worry about the masks anymore but in healthcare sittings this this is where we're at right now with the masks now wait a minute this feels like this is a really big announcement this is a really big deal this should be blasted all over the place no 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 of course not you're not gonna see any big headlines here because why would they why would they destroy that narrative they've been perpetuating for the last two and a half years that masks work that masks prevent the spread that masks prevent you from getting covid it's a joke CDC no longer recommended uh, no uh, no longer recommends universal masking in healthcare settings uh, unless the facilities are in areas of high COVID transmission, whatever that means. And then the masks should be the N95 ones because the little ones that you've been wearing to the office, the ones you're kids have been wearing to school those little cloth masks where i walk outside in winter and i can see my breath coming in and out of don't do anything there's still some i mean i was let's see a couple of months ago i got my blood drawn for my labs for my physical yeah i still i they they made me wear a mask i didn't have one they had them available at the entrance please put on a mask i I mean what am i gonna do i i oblige i'm not gonna even my yeah, even my kid had to wear one yesterday at the pediatrician. Still, so so now not, the not CD every... CDC is basically leaving it up to the healthcare operation. If you want to make masks a thing, be our guest. But if you don't, that's fine because we're not saying you have to do it anymore. And again, this should be a big announcement, but the CDC, they tried to quietly roll this out, like at a 5.05 p.m. news dump, which you see usually on Fridays. Yeah, and you see places like New York City, uh, the judge ruling against their vaccine mandates. You have even Crazy Canada uh, is doing away with all masks and vaccine mandates. And too little too late. Sorry. It probably should have happened a year and a half ago, if not sooner. So the CDC says healthcare facilities don't have to wear masks anymore. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if you do wear a mask. I'm right. wrong. I'm not like mask shaming. If that's your thing, if that's what you think is going to protect you, go ahead. But I, th- when I see somebody else wearing a mask, I'm just assuming they're sick. Right? Got it. I'm just assuming, okay, this person's sick. I'm going to stay away from them. Not making a judgment on them wearing the mask. Right. That's just, I assume that they have some sort of ailment and uh, they think the mask is going to keep them from spreading it to me. And I I agree with you. If you want to wear a mask, fine. If you want to wear two or three of them, be my guest. But we were... Given the CDC's talking heads every single night on the nightly news for two and a half years, whatever they said had to be the gospel. And if you dared to disagree with them, you are a science denier. Now they're coming out and saying, hey, that mask thing, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Everything we said the last two years, two and a half years, don't worry well, about especially it. Especially as contagious as this current variant is. It's not vir- virulent, but it's highly contagious 
Right. So it spreads easy. The symptoms are substantially lighter, but it spreads easy. Now, I reached out to the National Healthcare Institute for their comment about not having to wear masks anymore in their healthcare centers. This was their response. Take this mask and (laughs) shut. I ain't wearing it no more. Y'all look at me like I'm a son of a. Take his mask and shove it. I ain't wearing it no more. I don't I have no idea why, but I thought for a millisecond you actually spoke to somebody at the National Health Care Institute <laughs> when you said I thought, Oh wow, Hammer's really doing his homework here. He's I got an early got, a, got an informed opinion here and it's <laughs> the Steve Stewart YouTube guy. <laughs> Take this mask and shove it. I fall for it every time. Uh, Big (laughs) Nige, it's funny how things turn out. I believe it was Ferris Bueller who once said, you know, life comes at you fast. Sure. If you don't slow down, you might miss it. So last season, remember Joe Biden went on with ESPN Sage Steele at the beginning of the baseball season a year ago and said that he strongly supported moving the MLB All-Star game from Atlanta. So, Mr. President, what do you think about the possibility that baseball decides to move their All-Star game out of Atlanta because of this political issue? I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the leaders in these, in these various sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what oh, they're come doing on. in Georgia. Jim Crow on steroids. The whole voter suppression myth. Right. Yeah. That had record turnout the year Stacey Abrams got beat by I got a big truck guy. (laughs) Uh, So that was a year ago. And then that same team from Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves, who a lot of people say is a politically incorrect name. Their fans still do the tomahawk chop at the games. They won the World Series. And the woke commissioner who got booed in Atlanta had to give them the trophy. And yesterday, Joe Biden, the same Joe Biden who ran all of that money out of Atlanta with the All-Star game, welcomed the Braves to the White House. Play by play, any by any, and you grind, you ground it out, and you did it together. <laughs> you made the playoffs and beat the Braves, the, the Brewers, and the Dodgers. He, he couldn't wait to get the Atlanta Braves in there. Uh, uh, only just a, uh, 12 short months after saying, yeah, you, boy, we can't have that Major League All-Star game in Atlanta. No. Oh, they're evil there in Atlanta, you know. Uh, not to mention it's a politically incorrect name and the tomahawk chop. Oh, it's awful. And then all of a sudden he's holding up Atlanta Braves jersey. as all right. the players in there. And we talked about this yesterday. I'm not even going to focus on the fact, again, that he has no idea what he's talking about. You guys came together and you grounded out. And then you beat the Braves. <laughs> they are the Braves. And if they grounded out, Joe, they didn't yeah. win the game. But that's neither here nor there. The funny part about this. The whole point of this whole Ferris Bueller analogy is that 
Joe Biden could be a complete hypocrite, but it's Corrine Jean-Pierre, <laughs> the White House press secretary, who has to deal with all of the crap. President posting the Atlanta Braves today, wondering if you or the president has any thoughts about some of the controversial about the team name, the Braves name, the so-called Tomahawk Shop. Any thoughts on? That? So, look, we we believe that it's important. Um, to have this conversation, uh, you know, and uh, and Native American and Indigenous voices, uh, they should be at the center of this conversation. It's got to be exhausting being some sort of woke, scold media member and or at the same time KJP, the White House press secretary, have to, you know, sweep up and clean up Biden's messes. It's just it's got to be so exhausting. Kyle, can you play the you last know. half of that uh, clip there where uh, KJP is talking about the things that they need to uh, get accomplished, please? Look, we, we believe that it's important um, to have this conversation. Uh, you know, and, uh, and Native American and indigenous voices, uh, they should be at the center of this conversation. Do you know who else feels it's important to have Native American voices in this conversation? The Atlanta Braves, because the organization reaches out to groups in the offseason oh, every yeah. year. The Atlanta Braves, they have those conversations, and the groups that benefit from the Braves, they love it. They think it's a fantastic thing. So if you don't know what you're talking about, Corrine Jean-Pierre, sit down, be quiet. You don't want to make yourself look more like an idiot than the guy's mess you're trying to clean up in the first place. Joe Biden, <laughs> hey, you guys grounded out and you beat the Braves. Mondo, I don't do it as good as you do. Can you do it? Hey, sort of say congratulations on the Braves. You beat the Braves to win the World <laughs> Series. You and came together and you grounded out. Anyway. Good God. That's the president. That's the president's I'm administration. The president. I don't know. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Uh, we're seeing headlines now that Alec Baldwin could soon face charges for that deadly shooting on the set of his uh, movie called Rust. I think we're creeping up on a year now here, Hammer, uh, towards the end of October where he pointed a, a gun at the cinematographer. It went off. It killed her. It wounded the director. Uh, he said the gun went off accidentally and that he, he went so far as to say he did not even pull the trigger. Uh, as far as I know, nobody's been charged. Nobody's been to jail, but the district attorney now uh, saying that her office is considering charges, including homicide, as well as gun violations for four or five people involved. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline, bring on friend of the show, attorney Sandra Spurgeon. Uh, counselor, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Really, really good. Um, so you are a trial attorney. You're a legal expert. Um, you've had more than 120 state and federal cases successfully litigated I, i'm wondering overall big picture and then we'll kind of drill down here uh, uh, what do you think of the district attorney i believe this is in what new mexico saying that um people including alec baldwin could face charges for that shooting 
Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right in your beginning statement is that it's been almost a year. And I think that, you know, it certainly looks bad on the prosecutor's office that they've been they've had this matter in their office for a year. They had the death of this young woman, uh, a young mother, a wife, and they haven't they haven't taken it before a grand jury to even file charges yet. Um, So I think that what she's doing is trying to get ahead of that one year uh, timeline uh, because, you know, there's really bad press associated with you letting a a case lay around of that magnitude. What do they, what do they have to, what do prosecutors have to prove exactly in this case? Well, well, it depends on the elements that that it depends on the the and they may give the grand jury, um, you know, different charges to consider, um, you know, such as if it is um, she mentioned it, uh, homicide. And I don't see that at all under the New Mexico statute. Yeah. But, you know, if, if there's going to be a charge, it's likely to be uh, manslaughter. Voluntary manslaughter consists of committing a sudden uh, committed upon a sudden quarrel or in the heat. Of passion. Involuntary manslaughter consists of committing it in an unlawful act, not amounting, amounting to a felony, or in the commission of a lawful act, which might produce death in an unlawful manner without due caution and circumspection. So it, it would likely be a charge of involuntary manslaughter. Um, you know, excusable homicide, or, you know, that was what we as lay people would think as a crime of passion. Um, you know, so it's it's committed in there's been sufficient provocation. You've had a neighbor threatening to kill you and you pulling a gun. I don't see um I don't see homicide being the charge, but there's definitely um a negligent use of a deadly weapon that also carries a criminal penalty that may fit the um uh that may fit the bill. Now whether I you know, I think that the armorer can she's certainly expecting to get charged um so um and i i can certainly see her getting charged with negligent use of a deadly weapon if not uh the heightened charge of involuntary manslaughter because it was her duty and responsibility uh in the handling of that to ensure that there was no live rounds or ammunition on the set and i think you know in terms of whether alec baldwin gets charged or not i think that a grand jury if i was sitting there i would want to know why was there live ammunition on the set and what would have made him know that there was live ammunition on the set had it in the past had there been had he seen guns on a set being used like during breaks that they were you know shooting off steam and so they would you know um be put live rounds in those weapons and and use those i mean i think that there's going to have to be a really heightened sense of knowledge uh, and reckless disregard if they were to charge Alec Baldwin. And I, I think before a grand jury would charge him. But now I think this armorer has got, I think she's definitely headed for an indictment. And anybody else who's on that set who was responsible in the chain of command and making sure that, that, that there were no live rounds in the weapons or what it was even, what they were even doing on the set. We're speaking with uh, trial attorney Sandra Spurgeon here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Sandra, Jason Hammer here. I wish I didn't feel this way, but I think a lot of people do that when a celebrity does something, there are different rules compared to when the average 
everyday American does something here. Do you expect to see some sort of, I don't know if sweetheart deal is the right word here, but Alec Baldwin treated differently than if somebody else would have done this? Yeah, does he have an advantage? Right. Uh, well, it's certainly in the in the uh, quality of criminal attorney that he would hire, but I think that in reality, guys, I mean, I I think you got to set the emotion whether you like him or not. And I, I know that I've seen him do obnoxious things, even when his child was little. Some of the things that he said to her, um, that you know, it, it was just like what. But you know, if you look at the grief on his face immediately following this incident that's been plastered all over the media, you know, I, there's there's no. There's no doubt that he was devastated that this had happened. And, I, you know, I, I'm not certain why um, he, he has spoke publicly about it other than he's just that guy. He can't control himself and his wife apparently can't control herself or him. Was either. that wrong? Should they have um, just kept their mouth shut this whole time? Yes, absolutely. And I've been involved in it. And, I, and it would have been horrible. I think that the people to have spoken would have been the attorneys. I think that having people that outside of the emotion that has the at least the projection of objectivity should have been the ones If he needed to make a statement felt like he, you know, he was insisting the attorney should have made a statement. Uh, but I think that him making a statement, particularly about not firing the firearm, yeah. there's a perfectly psychological reason as to why he does not know or recall um firing that firearm if he and if it did you know i think the fbi came out and said yeah that firearm it, there was no way that that firearm just shot or fired automatically it had to be you had to use the trigger it had to be you know you it did not happen the way he did uh, i think that looked horrible on him you know but think about it when you have ptsd you you've just killed somebody um, you know, in, unintentionally, but you have just shot, and the result of your efforts, that person, as a result of your actions, that person has died. You do not have and would not have a clear memory. Your mind is so shocked. I mean, I've dealt with cases and have clients who have PTSD, and their recollections are very, sometimes very different, and it's not because they're trying to lie. It's the mind's way of coping with that type of catastrophe. And, you know, otherwise, you know, how do you live through life knowing that you've taken someone else's life, whether it was intentional or unintentional? So I think him making that statement, you know, you know, the media likes to jump on it and they like to run. And for whatever reason, he tends to just fall right into it. He plays. He he can't understand that that's the worst thing he should be doing was to be making those kinds of statements. But does that get him a criminal indictment? Well, guess we'll see. I don't think so. We'll see. Where can people find more of your work, Sandra? I know you're uh, an author, and and are, are you on social media? And where can people find out more about your your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Facebook and also on Instagram. I have a website dedicated solely to this type of work that I'm doing. Uh, I my book is on Amazon, um, and it's. Uh, and it's also uh, the number one. It was went to number one in uh, the first hour of its release, and it has stayed there. And legal publications, especially the electronic publications, 
And then I have a new book coming out, hopefully within the next few months. It's called Surviving Greatness. And it really talks about how in life, how we all are born great and how life's burdens and duties and responsibilities as moms, as dads, as working in the workplace and how others, um, how distracted we get uh, in our lives and forget how great that we really are. And it's really about bringing us back to center in practicing gratitude and uh, making sure that we're paying for it and helping others. Undefeated trial attorney Sandra Spurgeon. Sandra, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Have a great one. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Pretty boy. Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, Don't want to keep Tony waiting. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here hooking up live with Tony Katz for Tuesdays with Tony. Let's start with Salesforce, the CEO yammering on CNN about how he's going to yank sales. I mean, I'm looking at the tower outside here uh, on Monument Circle right now. He's talking about how he's threatening to pull his business and all his employees out of Indy, talking about crazy governors and Roe v. Wade. I'm wondering how this all sits with you tony what do you what did you think about his reasoning for pulling uh, you know threatening to pull salesforce well he, he's not engaged in reasoning he's engaged in uh, virtue signaling uh to employees but only some employees not the totality of his employees he has not shown that he has a, a an actual caring of the totality of his employees if you don't agree with him there's a question as to when he talks about dignity and equality whether or not he believes it uh for for the people who disagree with him uh but i think the the interesting part too is that uh, mark benioff is somebody who also thinks that china did a great job vis-a-vis covid um he he uh talks about reimagining capitalism maybe this is not the um super terrific thinker we should be uh we should be looking towards maybe this somebody who isn't the best for the indianapolis market maybe we should ask a lot of questions about mark benioff's theories and philosophies when he first attacked indiana the question that we had on on my shows is if anybody wants to leave san francisco because it's a violent hellscape where you have to walk over other people's droppings Never mind you have to leave your trunk open so you don't get robbed. Never mind the attacks that are happening and the drug use that's happening everywhere. Will he give those people $50,000 to move to Indiana? And I don't believe he ever offered uh, that deal. So it's it's clearly difficult for politicos to have this conversation. And I don't think this conversation should be entered lightly. But I think we should ask ourselves, a guy who praises China and thinks we have to reimagine capitalism after he made his billions, is this the kind of industry leader we want as a leader in, in Indiana? I think it's a good question that we should get an answer from all the people. And, Tony, the Salesforce guy isn't the first one and he won't be the last one to threaten the city of Indianapolis with leaving because they don't like what's happening politically. We've gone down this road with Gen Con before. Every once in a while, Lily gets a little squirrely here. How should local elected officials in Indiana deal with companies 
companies making threats, uh, threatening to pull all of their business out. Because I feel like once you let one person do that and get away with it, everybody's going to do it afterwards. Yeah, so I think the way you handle this is by uh, uh, fixing the potholes. Yes, that's a start. That's the answer. I'll take that. Your your job is not to respond to everybody's uh, woke moment, and this isn't the first time it's happened. This is something that that businesses have done throughout throughout history to be abusive uh, in, in in this way. Uh, you know, uh, it, 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 what's really what it, it, can we discuss Benioff in relationship to to um, lockouts that used to take place where business owners would say, okay, now you can't come to work until you come to reason and take the deal that I'm offering you. Is, is, is it really different to see this type of, of of abuse, which, of course, unions would tell you were abuse in the day. So I'm not sure if, if a, politico, a politico is supposed to respond to all of this. I think the answer is, well, this person's acting like a schmuck. I guess I'll go fill another four <laughs> potholes. I guess I'll pave another two miles of roads. I guess I'll go pick up garbage on the street. I guess I'll go talk to that neighborhood that's having a problem about, hey, you can either point to the people are causing problems in your neighborhood, or you're going to have another hundred murders here next year. It's totally your choice. That's what I would do. And, and do you, but do you buy it? Do you buy this rhetoric from the CEO of Salesforce and uh, some of the other uh, entities that Hammer mentioned that, oh, we're moving out. We're going to find somewhere else that's uh, more Roe v. Wade friendly. I, I mean, I know you had conversations with Gary Dick inside Indiana Business um, with uh, uh, him in terms of data to support such claims that we can't get talent where, where you know, there's uh, do you do you actually buy the the threats or is it just posturing and virtue signaling? Um, I, I don't think it's for me to buy or, or not buy. I don't think I get to say, well, Mark Benioff is, is, is bluffing. bluffing. Yeah. I think Mark Benioff has now offered up his position, and he offered up his position on, on Indiana. He's offered up his position on abortion. Just like on Twitter, he offered up his position on China and on, on capitalism. I think it's now for us to ask ourselves, what kind of leader is he? Is that the kind of leader we as Hoosiers want to attract, and maybe this can help guide us in the types of businesses, business owners, business professionals we want to bring to the state of Indiana. Certainly not everybody has to agree with me, but I think we could agree that we don't want business professionals who think China's the future. Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz with us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Tony, we're getting closer and closer to the midterms. And the Democrats, they're bringing out the big guns here. They know their backs are up against the wall. So they trotted out the old dusty bones of pantsuit Patty herself, Hillary Clinton, this past weekend. (laughs) And her message to the rowdy, raucous few that showed up to hear her speech was that all Trump supporters are Nazis. Your thoughts. Okay. What, what, how, what response is possible? What response works? What, what, what matters? I, 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 have, I have a decision to make. Uh, I, can, I can look at, at her and yell and scream, or I can remind myself that she lost to Donald Trump and then smile like a damn fool and go about my life. 
I'm going to go with that one. You sure you don't want any name calling? Because I would enjoy it, to be honest Oof. with you. I mean, we're all among <laughs> friends here. Like, if you wanted to, you know, do some shaming, I, if you wanted to do, a, you know, some sort of uh, trash talk, I'd be okay with that, too. Look, I, 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 people who utilize the Holocaust as a political prop are disgusting, despicable people. I've been saying that for a long time. But it's Hillary Clinton. She doesn't matter. She, Her mind doesn't count. Her opinion doesn't count. Her daughter doesn't count. Uh, go live your life and just leave us be. It doesn't matter what rally you had and what you said. It doesn't matter. Now, the emails that you were messing with, oh, I think that matters quite a, quite a great deal. <laughs> yeah. Here's a reminder to vote in November. Why was Nancy Pelosi booed? We played that audio yesterday. The uh, What was it? The Global Citizens Fest. My theory was that she's not green enough. She's not climate cultist enough for those people. And that's why she was booed on stage. I heard you talk a little bit about this this morning. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, she was booed because um, she's interrupting the acts. Nobody wants to hear from her. Oh, that's a, yeah. Nobody, that's a good point. Nobody gives a damn about uh, <laughs> Speaker Pelosi. The, the, you look at the list of world leaders they have uh, for 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 this uh, event, and it was it's it's absolutely a, a, out of control. Um, you have the Director General of the World Health Organization, uh, Tedros. You know, uh, people who lied to us every which way but loose, uh, and and nobody wants to hear from them. They 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 they, they want the Jonas Brothers of Metallica, which by the way. <laughs> Is the is the twosome you always dreamed of? Sure, that's, that's the halftime of the Super Bowl that we deserve, Tony. <laughs> that, that's what they don't care about the rest. They don't give a good holy damn about Nancy Pelosi. Uh, stop, stop trying to make them into celebrities. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Oh, by the way, global citizen, I'll pass. Yeah, me too. Uh, Tuesdays with Tony Katz here. On the Hammer Nigel Show. One more thing before we, we let you go. Let's circle back around to, you know, piggybacking on a subject we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Senator uh, Lindsey Graham, and, and yeah, he came out and said, look, we're going to, we want to, you know, make a federal law banning abortion. Um, I thought the timing was a little suspect, especially when the GOP, their whole thing was states' rights, states' rights. This is a big win for states' rights. And now he's talking about this uh, ahead of the midterms as a mistake by uh, the, the senator from South Carolina. Uh, to talk about uh, putting out a 15 week abortion ban? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, uh, I think what's interesting is that the people who claim that this is extreme, this is well in, in line with where the, the, the globe is. As a matter of fact, most countries are, are at 12 weeks, only seven countries that uh, have abortion after uh, 15 weeks. So this is well in line. There's nothing radical about this whatsoever. Only the people who believe in infanticide, uh, which is to say Planned Parenthood and, and, and their, their ilk, and I don't know if it's all of them, but man, you, you see the people who support Planned Parenthood, they seem to support the idea of abortion anywhere, anytime. Yeah. So uh, I don't know why infanticide isn't on, on their list of things. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're the ones who really think that this is somehow restrictive. I just don't think it's necessary because I don't believe the abortion conversation is as big as people say. Yep. Uh, I think that it is a mover to some people who desire it to be a mover, but I believe that that inflation and crime and violence are much more of a mover, and that's where I would stay. I think he gave something juice where it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Uh, I Lindsey Graham made a mistake here. 
You have not one but two amazing programs on this radio station tomorrow. What can we look forward to? Well, we're keeping an eye on uh, Hurricane Ian only because my mother-in-law lives in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, So we're... We're, 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 we're watching that. We're keeping our eyes uh, uh, there. And then, you know, there's this the, this uh, pipeline, the Nord Stream 1 and 2, that got that all of a sudden sprung leaks over the last two days. Uh, somebody sabotaged these pipelines, and we should find out who. And was it, as some people are rumoring, the United States? Oh, I love it. Get that tinfoil hat out, baby. Let's go. Uh, He's on social media at Tony Katz. Facebook is Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you. Always, baby. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, our producer, Mega Mondo, is here. Coming up, an entire hour of the Hammer and Nigel show, an update on Hurricane Ian down in Florida, and how a certain Democratic senator suggests that voting for Democrats may stop hurricanes. Oh, Altogether, wow. You just got to vote for Democrats. The hurricanes will stop. That's the party of science, I was told. <laughs> uh, real quick, the... Uh, the LGBTQ community is upset. Do we? I get confused when I say those letters. Is it not enough to say the gay community? I think Do you I, have to add I a plus to... at the end of it too. LGBTQ plus. Okay. All right. What, okay. So <laughs> they are upset that the new Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix uh, identifies him as gay and tags lgbtq in categories so you know they have the suggestions right and netflix and they'll have certain genres of suggestions and in the in the lgbtq suggestion box is the Dahmer series and um we all know the story of Dahmer, right serial killer liked young boys and young men killed him and ate him kept him in his freezer and i i don't know is that something to be upset about or not I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm not I a part like of members. I feel like there's reasons to be more upset about this story than what it's categorized as. <laughs> right. How about the fact that there was some lunatic that was murdering people and eating people? Like, I feel like that's kind of the bigger story. It should be. Here. It shouldn't be under the gay category. It should be under the cooking category. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> hey now, this is a cooking show. <laughs> now, uh, our producer Megamondo. Uh, watched the series on Netflix. It's called Monster: The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. How is it, man? I mean, how was it? Was it was it any good? Was it intense? Was it gross? All those things? Yeah, and so much more. Uh, my girlfriend and I binged the whole season, and it was How many just... episodes are in the season? Yeah, I believe there were 10 episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it is very intense. It's very graphic. It's very disturbing. The guy that plays Jeffrey Dahmer looks just like him. Evan Peters deserves every award for playing this character. And I actually threw this out on Twitter. I hope his mental health is okay because playing somebody that was as evil yeah. as Jeffrey Dahmer, yep. that takes, I mean, I can't even imagine the mindset that Evan Peters had to go through to do this role but man he executed it to perfection but it's really good if you're going to be a method actor and you have to play jo- jeffrey dahmer <laughs> was there like was there scene i mean you have to give it away but are there scenes of him actually yes you know chewing on thigh bones and stuff like that human yes beings? yes and i kept telling myself that it was just steak oh <laughs> like it, it's so disturbing that this was real i mean i think people 
people were always under the impression that Dahmer was sick, but once you watched this, they really put that on your plate, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. it, it's very, it's it's hard I to think, watch at times. I think I can understand why the, the LGBTQ community doesn't want to claim this guy. I will say <laughs> I this, though. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this series was they showed the victims and they showed you the families and what they oh. went through. So they really didn't just make it about this monster that was Jeffrey Dahmer. They actually yeah. made you realize all the victims and all the families and the stories that they never seem wow. to be told. So and this is on Netflix right now. Yeah, right? it's on Netflix right now. It's the number one show on Netflix. I highly recommend it, but just make sure you have a strong stomach for it because it is very graphic. It's very intense, but it's definitely worth the time. And I'm glad Jeffrey Dahmer is no longer here. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.